was battered and scarred to the auctioneer. Thought it scarcely worth his while, but he held it up anyway. What am I bidding, good folks, he said, for this old violin? Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar? Two dollars. Only two? Two dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars once? Three dollars twice? And going and almost gone. But wait, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward. And taking the bow, he took the violin and dusted off that old violin and tightening up the loose strings, he played a melody, pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low said, what am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars, two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand, going once, going twice, going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but they, some of them cried, we don't understand. What changed its worth? Quick came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred by sin is auctioned cheap to that thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. No one can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought when the master comes by the touch of the master's hand. Folks, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the church. When we talk about what Paul is dealing with and the idea of God has erased all distinctions and placed his hand on every single one of us. And by the touch of the master's hand, we have been brought from lostness, from darkness, from being without hope, without life, without a future, without a purpose, into the masterful plan of God that has been given to us in Christ Jesus as we look at it. That's what he wants us to understand, and that's what he's trying to portray for us as, as he begins. And we've talked a little bit already about this mystery of God and, and what it is, but listen to this morning as we stand together and, and read out of Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 4 through 7 and allow God's word to speak to us in these moments. And here again, this word, this idea, this, this thing that God is doing when he says, by Paul writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of the living God, says, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is in other generations was not made known to the, to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, just let us see the wonder of the mystery that you've given to us in Christ Jesus the doors that have been opened, the revelation that has been given, the understanding that has allowed us to, to move beyond what once was to what is now. Father, let us rejoice together that, that 
you saw us, not as the world saw us, not as anyone else would see us. You didn't put us in categories and distinctions and separations. and You didn't say some were worthwhile and some weren't worthwhile. But God, by the touch of your hand upon our lives, you brought grace and mercy and hope and a future and a promise of all things in Christ Jesus. Father, what an amazing plan. What a working promise that is that has been brought to pass in Christ and, and being proclaimed now freely and openly and boldly to a world that they might know that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. No one is an exception. All are special by the hand of God. We pray that you would just again, Father, Awaken in our hearts that which we already know. Recreate in us that sense of awe and wonder of what it means to be a part of the church, the body of Christ. What a privilege, what an honor that we have. I pray that we'll see and understand that in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as we think about this and as we look at it, God's we know God's always had a plan. He's always had a purpose. Even before time was even beginning, God knew what he was going to be doing and what he was about. He had a plan and he had a purpose. But he chose to re keep the purpose, that plan, in his own heart. And the triune God knew what was going on. And before man was created, already set in motion, already in the heart of God, it was moving toward that which God would do and be a part of. Now, God revealed some things about that, gave us hints along the way. You remember he told Adam and Eve that, they would, uh, that he was going to provide a Savior in spite of their sin and all that they had done. He told Abraham who was, uh, that he was going to bless all the nations th of the world through him. All peoples would be blessed through him. As he looked at that, he told Isaiah in, the book, in chapter 57 that, he was going, that the house of God was going to be a place for all people. Not just a select group, but all people would come. That's the verse Jesus referred to in Matthew when he talked about the house of, that the house of God was supposed to be a place of prayer and the things that were going on. Jonah became a living, vivid illustration of his desire to reach all people as he goes to the Gentile world, to people that's not liked by any of the Jewish people, not having anything to do with them, but he went to them to bring salvation to them. Luke in Luke chapter 2, the angels made it clear that the gospel, the good news, this thing that was happening, about to happen, was for all people. That they would come and be a part of that time as we look at it. And Jesus, of course, in his own messages and in his own challenge, in the last words of, that he would speak to his people, was that we were to go to all peoples of every place and everywhere to make sure that they heard the gospel story and the part of it is about it being part. See, God has always loved all of us. There's never been any people that God didn't love. There's never been any place in the world where people existed that God didn't want to hear the message and know what was going on. It was always in his plan. It was always there, but he, he hadn't fully unveiled it yet. He hadn't completely shown how that was going to be. Think about it for a moment. He, he didn't tell Abraham, the friend of God, exactly what this plan would be. He, he didn't tell Isaiah, the prince of prophets, exactly how this plan was going to be. He didn't even tell the angels in heaven what this plan was and how it was going to work and what it was going to be. But in the moment in time, see, it's been concealed, but now it's being revealed. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 that at the very right time, Christ came to this earth. Not before it was time, not after it was time. 
at exactly the right time of God's heart and God's revelation, Jesus Christ came and set into motion that which would become the church. He set into motion that unveiling of this mystery, that making aware of what God was going to do and be as He shared with us that all people would be welcome into the family of God, not just a select people. See, Israel had thought they had it all. They were the select people. It belonged to them. It didn't belong to anybody else, even though God had told them over and over and over and over again, it's not just for you. You're the messengers. Get the word out. Get the word out. Tell everybody, I'm the one true God. But they didn't want to do that. They kept it to themselves. But God had a plan. He'd always had a plan. He wasn't going to let anyone go without knowing the gospel. He wasn't going to let anyone go without knowing, I love you. I, want, I am willing to do whatever it takes to bring you into the household of God, into the family of God. And so he demonstrated his love to all mankind and that he let Christ die upon the cross while we were still sinners. Not when we deserved it, not when we had earned it, not when there was something about us that would seemingly make it worth God giving his son for us. No, we would never be there. We would never earn the right of God to die for our sins. There would never be a time when we'd have a right to be with God, when we'd ever be able to be acceptable to God. It's never going to happen. But God loved you and he loved me. And he wanted to be sure that we knew that his love was more than just words spoken by prophets, more than just words that were given by men and women throughout time, but it was a demonstration of himself as he placed himself upon the cross of Calvary and he died for your sin and my sin that we might be brought into the household of God that we might be a part of the family of God and all that God was doing and being a part as we look at it and as we see see God broke into history he interrupted it with Jesus Christ and he said it's time for the plan to be unveiled it's time for the mystery to be revealed so that everyone can understand what has always been in my heart, and that is that all people will be able to be a part of the family of God. That all people can be saved. That all people can have salvation and be forgiven and be counted as a very child of the living God. That all people can know that there is a place that has been prepared for them in heaven. That they will spend an eternity with me forever separated from sin, forever separated from death and all the struggles of this earth, but standing in the purity and the holiness and the love of an almighty God as my children always and forever. That's been open to all of us. See, we, we don't have to be a certain kind of people. We don't have to reach a certain kind of goal. We don't have to live in a certain land. We don't have to be from a certain family. We don't have to be, we, any of us and all of us can be a part of the family of God. That amazes me. I look around and I know my own heart and I know my own life and I know I have absolutely no right whatsoever for God to ever forgive me, for God to ever offer me salvation, for God to ever do a work in my life. And yet God has extended to me through Jesus Christ the opportunity, the possibility, the honor to be called the very child of the living God. To be a part of it. See, the mystery that he unveils is the church. It's the church. Gen Jews thought they had it all. Gentiles thought they couldn't have it in. Couldn't have it. But Paul came as the messenger of the mystery, as the one whom God had placed upon his shoulders. Oh, others had talked about it, and it had been hinted at, and it was there. But somehow God had chosen Paul to be that minister to the Gentiles that would help them to see, and through them to help the Jews to see that all people were welcome into the household of God. Not just some, but everyone could come to Christ. Everyone could be saved. Everyone could be a part of the body of Christ. See, that's what we are. Christ is the head. But you and I are the body. 
And everyone that is born by faith into Jesus Christ is part of that body, made into oneness, made a unity in being a part of it. When, when God wanted to declare the, the, his glory by creating the universe, he, he did that. And, and uh, all humankind can see the glory of God through just looking at our universe and all the things that's there. But when God wanted to declare his new creation, the creation that would say to all people and would show the angels his wisdom and say to the whole world all about his plan, he created the church. The church, you, me. He brought us into being as a people. He brought the possibility of every single one of us being placed into this living body that could never be destroyed. This living body that had all the power of heaven at its disposal. This living body that would be made up of people from every place in all nations, in all races, in all kinds of cultures, in all kinds of levels of distinctions that are there and being a part of it. And he removed all of those from being a part of it and said, we are now one body in Christ Jesus. We are one people together. There is nothing that distinguishes us from any other. And I would say to you very quickly this morning, if you have experienced, and pray you're not the one causing it, but if you have experienced any kind of distinction in the household of God based on education, race, wealth, or any other thing, it is not because of God's mercy and it is not because of the church. It is because the people in the church have allowed themselves to be more influenced by the world than they have influenced the world. See, we're supposed to be changing the world. We're supposed to be making a difference in the world. And if we allow distinctions to go on in the household of God, if we allow ourselves to be a people who put some people in one category and some people in another category and some in another category, we're living in sin. It doesn't matter what kind of church we call ourselves. It doesn't matter what we say. That's sin. There is no category in God's eyes. There is no distinction in God's eyes. We are all sinners saved by grace. Not a one of us get into heaven except through Christ Jesus. Not a one of us can be right with God except by believing that He is who He said He is. He did what He said He did. And the trust that we have is found in Him and Him alone. Anyone who trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is welcome. And anyone who says, I'll find another way, will never enter. Because there is no other way. No one can come to the Father except that he comes through Jesus Christ. That's just it, folks. No matter whether you like it or not, doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not, you're just wrong. Because the Word of God simply says very clearly, there is one way to the Father. There is one name given among men whereby we can be saved. There's only one way. We don't need lots of ways because there's one way. It works perfectly. And every person who responds to the grace of God through Jesus Christ, every person that accepts what God has done in Jesus Christ in their own life and acknowledges I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, I believe Jesus Christ is that Savior. He died to save me from my sins and I believe that if I'll trust Him, He'll cover me and I'll be forgiven of all my sin. I'll be welcomed into the house of God. I'll be placed into that body, that one body called the church. Folks, it's an amazing thing that you and I have the privilege, the honor, the opportunity to be included in God's eternal plan, to be a part of what God is doing and what God wants to do, that you and I could be a part of what that which is called the church, the body of Christ, the moving work of Christ in this world and being a part of it, the revelation of God to the world right now that he wants the whole world to know. And that's what Paul is talking about when he comes to those last verses, when he talks about, I've been entrusted. With. See, Paul never got over the idea that God trusted him with the gospel. He just couldn't imagine that he, the chiefest of all sinners, 
He who had persecuted the church. He who had done all that he could to destroy the message of Christ. That God would pick him up and call him by name and say to him, I have a purpose for your life. You're going to be the messenger of my revelation. You're going to be the one who reveals to the world that Gentiles and Jews and all people, Greeks and everyone else, are invited to be a part of one family, one body, that heart, the church of the living God. And you're going to go and you're going to tell them. And Paul was just amazed. Me? I get to tell people about Jesus? I get to tell people about the gospel. I get to share the word that everybody's invited, that no one's left out, that no one's excluded. Everybody can come. I get to do that. And it just amazed him that he could do that. And he wanted to do that. He said the only reason he could do it was because of the grace of God and the power of God working in him because he couldn't do it. But he had the privilege and the opportunity to do what only could be done by God and the grace and the work of God in his life and being a part of it. And he said, that's what he's saying. Jesus gave us that same instruction when he left. He said, you're going to go everywhere. And you're to share the gospel to every people. In Acts, he put it, you know, that he starts in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. But he didn't stop there. He said, into the uttermost parts of the earth. That includes everybody. And if you were to turn into the book of Revelation, you would see as you join in the praise of heaven, as you get into heaven and you realize as God opens up heaven for a little while and lets us look and see what it's going to be like, and you would see there that the Bible says that there's people there around the throne praising God and worshiping God and telling God how worthy He is and how worthy is the Lamb of God because all He's done, there's people from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every people. There's no one left out. Everyone is at the throne of God that receives Jesus Christ, no matter where they're from and what they're like. There's just no distinction in the household of God. And if you and I have made a distinction, God forgive us. God forgive us because we don't have that right. Everyone is welcome. Everyone. None of us deserve it. None of us have the right to expect it. But we're all welcome. Every one of us can stand before a holy God and be received as he looks at us through the blood of the Lamb and sees us as pure and holy and spotless and able to say to us, Welcome, welcome, my child, to the place that he's prepared specifically for us. That's what Paul, that's what the mystery is about. That's what Paul's so excited about. That's why it took him all this time as he went through and he talked about grace and he talked about all that God was doing and he, he moved and he, he exploded in, in, in words of, of gratitude and expressions of worship and praise as he talked about how grace has called us and, and how we've been set aside and we've not been saved by anything that we've done or anything that we deserve or, or will ever deserve, not saved because of who we are or, or what group we belong to. He said we're saved by grace. Not of works, lest any son should boast. And we're saved for a reason, for a purpose, that we can tell the mystery, that we can unveil that which has been unveiled to us so that the whole world can know that there's no one outside the reach of the grace of God. Can you imagine that? There's no one. Now, I know sometimes we like to put people in categories and we like to decide who's worthy of salvation and who's not worthy of it. We don't like someone, and so we decide they probably don't deserve to go to heaven. We don't care for the way someone speaks or the way they think or the way they act or something else that's going on, and so we make the decision that we won't share the gospel with them because we don't really want them to be in heaven with us. But God never does that. God never sees an individual that he doesn't love. He never sees an individual that what he did for Christ upon the cross 
was not specifically and purposely for them. That they might be brought into his family forever. That's what the church is, folks. If we ever can remember, if we can ever just get a hold again of what the church is about, it's not just a building. It's we come together once or twice a week and we sing some songs and we say, take communion and we say some prayers and we hear a guy speak and, and we go home and nothing's any different and nothing's changed in our lives and nothing matters in the world in which we live on. We still have our problems. We still live our lives and we don't even think about God again until we think, well, maybe this week will be a week I might go to church. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. just depends on how I feel what's going on, and we go about life. But that's not the church. That's a social club. The church is a body, one body of people who have chosen to receive the amazing grace of God in their life and have yielded their sinful pride to the work of Christ. And accepted his forgiveness and trusted him as Lord and Savior of their life. He said, I want to be all that you want me to be, God. You work in me the way you want to. And the Holy Spirit indwells us at the very moment that we become children of God when we trust him as Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit begins working in our lives and changing our attitudes and changing our nature and changing our language and changing our, the ways that we do things and the things that we think and the way that we treat people and the evidences of our life become more and more and more and more that God's working in our lives. and We're being more and more made like Jesus Christ as his character begins to be taken on by us as we see and work because the Holy Spirit works day in and day out in his promise in Philippians 1.6 is that which I've started I will bring to a completion. He's never going to quit. You're going to keep working. You're going to keep working in your life and in my life to bring us to that place that we look at one another truly with eyes of love and acceptance and kindness and hope, encouraging to one another, strengthening one another, lifting one another up, and believing that together as one, that we have been called to step into the world, beginning right here in Kwana, and tell people, God so loved you that he gave his only son, that if you would believe in Christ, you wouldn't have to ever worry about the judgment of God upon your life, but rather you would possess eternal life because you would be a part of the body, the church, for whom Christ died, and for whom he is working, praying, interceding every single day. Folks, we're the church. That's the mystery. At one time, there were peoples and categories, and every time everybody had their own views and ideas, and the lost world still does. They're still looking at every kind of God they can make up and every kind of philosophy they can come with, and they're wandering as lost sheep. They have no direction. They have no purpose. They have no hope. They have nothing in their life because they have chosen not to accept the one thing that gives meaning and purpose and purpose in their life, 
that can bring them to a place in which they understand for the very first time, I am a person of worth, of value. I am a person that God created distinctly and definitely. God has a plan for my life. He has something he wants to do in me and through me and with me. God wants me to be a part of something that's greater than any vision that I could ever have, any dream that I could ever possess. God wants me to be a part of the church. Wow. We get to be a part of the church. That's the mystery that God has unveiled. No one excluded. No one. Isn't that great? That means even me. Even me. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I just can't imagine why you would choose to even think about having a church. People sure don't deserve it. The world has proven over and over again that we're not open to being loved and we're not open to kindness and generosity and we're not open to forgiveness and we're not open to being a changed kind of people. We'd rather live in the drudgery of our own sin. We'd rather walk in our own pride believing that we don't need what you have to offer but we can find it our own way. And we see the condition of the world. But you stepped into history with a plan, with a purpose. And you made it all become a reality by allowing yourself in Christ to die upon the cross of Calvary so that the just penalty, the righteous law, the holy law could be obeyed, could be fulfilled, could be made right. So there could be no one that could say, this is not right, it's not fair, God didn't do the right thing, but it's been done. The penalty for sin is death. And Christ died. He became sin and He died. And all the wrath of heaven and all of the judgment that had to be poured out on my heart and my life, all that condemnation that I deserve was paid for in Jesus Christ so that now I can say because of faith that I can say there is now therefore no condemnation for me for I am in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for anyone in this building and anyone listening if they are in Jesus Christ because He has brought, He has paid that price. He has separated that away from us and brought us into one body holy and pure before you a people of God not male and female not black and white and brown and yellow and all the different colors not rich and poor educated and uneducated not those who have political policies and ideas not this and that but rather one people one body every single one of us who trust Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, uniquely, amazingly, miraculously won. Father, thank you for that. My prayer is, Father, that, that we'll understand that and that we'll understand that we have been given a mission, even as Paul was, to take the revelation and make it clear to everyone so that no one has to miss the opportunity to be a part of that body. They can choose to, and too many do, unfortunately. Even people here today, and those listening in, choose not to take it seriously, to think they can find their own way. But because you love them, you let them make that choice. But it's the choice of destruction. You've made that very clear. Father, let us receive you if we don't know you. Let us 
give ourselves to you, if we've been unwilling to trust you, and let us who are the church be the church. Let us quit playing church, but let us be the church. I pray in Christ's name.